Hello and welcome back to the second episode of Get the PhD with Sammy, Tom and Hannah. So this week we're going to be focusing on uh, dyslexia, which is Hannah's area of research. Yep. So she's going to be running by some uh, fact or fiction of the dyslexic world, as well as giving a bit of more of a breakdown of her research and what she's actually looking at. Um, and we're also going to be doing our first edition of Procrastination of the Week. So I hope everybody's got one ready. Mm-hmm. And feeling confident about maybe winning the point for this week? Mm. I don't know, I've worked really hard this week. It's a tough one. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so I think it's a good time to drop in that we've got a Twitter account now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at GetThePHT. Go and give us a follow. Uh, we'll be posting each of the episodes on there and links to them and so on. Maybe some interaction if we get enough of a of a fan base or a, a listener mm-hmm. base to, to do so. And it's doing really well, so... It's doing okay at the moment. It's a good start. Round of applause for yeah. Sammy. For well done, Sammy, for his part. Then. Thank you very much. And I'll also just drop in that uh, me and Hannah have been tasked with getting Tom a professional Twitter account. Yeah. I still don't see the point. You will. You will see the point. There's a good community out there. And when he gets that created, or when we get that created for him, we'll put all of our professional Twitter accounts on the PHT page. Mm-hmm. So that they're kind of linked together, people can see who we are and access our Twitter accounts, follow them if they wish to, or follow some of them or not others. You never know. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's dropped in. We've also got an email address. Uh, you can email in if you want to. I don't really see why you would want to at the moment. Oh, <laughs> negative. But it's uh, get the pht at hotmail dot com. So you know, if you want to drop us an email, send us over anything, maybe any, any questions, questions or yeah. anything. We could add in a section to each episode where we answer questions from people. Um, so, yeah, no need for complaints on Hannah's rule last week. We're very aware, please. Oh, so yeah, I'm trying to be less annoyed. Do you want to move on to the topic of this podcast, Hannah? Yes. Yeah, so, as we kind of said in last week's, we're all going to do an episode based kind of around our research area. Um, so yeah, my aim of my study is to examine what really works well to support students with dyslexia. So currently there's not really much of a consensus within the literature or between professionals on what particular programmes or strategies really work best to help those with dyslexia. Um, this is possibly because individuals with dyslexia are not uniform in terms of where their problem areas lie. So everyone is so unique and obviously the same with dyslexia, it's not a case of one size fits all. So it makes it really difficult to deliver support and to find what works just because something might not necessarily work for one person as well as it worked for another. Um, So some of the strategies that are currently being used by schools don't have a research base around them. So my project's aim is to examine the literature and determine what support currently has really good literature and research base and what ones don't. From this then, I'll look into the ones that don't have an evidence base and see how these can become more effective or if they have any potential to support dyslexia. So in theory, hopefully I can develop a framework for my findings which then is going to inform a toolkit to be delivered to trainee teachers um, teachers and other educational professionals as an advice document on what 
best ways to support dyslexia. That's kind of like a brief overview. So I've put together some myths or... Fact or fiction, fact I suppose fiction. you could title it. Yeah. yeah, that's the better way. Just because I don't actually know how much you guys know about it. Experts, I'd say. I know a little bit about it. Uh, do an education for my undergraduate degree. Yeah. We had a couple of uh, special educational needs and extra support modules and so on. And dyslexia was one of the topics we covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like some people know lots, some people don't know much. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's kind of commonly accepted to be true and there's not actually any evidence behind it. Mm. So the first thing I've got is that dyslexia is related to having a low IQ score. No, I don't mm. believe that. Fact or fiction? I, I don't see why that would be fact. IQ is based on many different things, not just the, the, the areas that people struggle with when they have dyslexia. I think IQ is more of like higher level thinking, problem solving, mm-hmm. thinking outside the box and those kind of things. If we think of IQ tests, there's not much writing in there, is it? IQ it's tests like are like and... patterns and shapes and yeah, I don't believe following the, the, yeah, it'd be like a sequence of shapes and they change each time and there's some kind of what's the next shape. Yeah. Are, okay. are we going, going with fact? Yeah. Fi- it seems fiction to be a consensus. Fiction or fact? Fiction. Fiction. Fiction we're going with, Hannah. Okay. You're right. Often, it's quite interesting actually, because when studies are looking at at-risk children, they often use high IQ and poor reading attainment as an indicator for being at risk of dyslexia. So it's actually kind of the opposite often, obviously not all the time, but often there is a high IQ associated with children with dyslexia. Very critical, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, the second one I've got is that <clears throat> some people actually outgrow dyslexia. They'll eventually mm. outgrow. Eventually outgrow it. <clears throat> it depends on what sort of support is there. Like, I don't know much about dyslexia to know how they support it. But then I don't know whether outgrowing would... I don't know whether it's an outgrow on just a... It can just not be a problem, or is it an outgrow if you have the right support around you, you could overcome the effects of it? I don't think you can outgrow it. I think it'd be strange. It doesn't if, sound very strange. It's almost like a rewiring of your brain, and I don't think that's possible. I can't tell. I'm trying to notice a smile on hands. I'm trying to notice. I'm trying to notice whether there's a pattern in the answers already. It's like when you're doing a multiple choice <laughs> test. You see, you've put four C's yeah. in a row, and you think well, it can't be C again. I think she's tricking us. She go fiction again. I partly because I think she's tricking us, and partly because I think I don't think you can outgrow it. I don't. Go on then, fiction. Yeah. You would be right with fiction. It's a lifelong disorder. Although what you're saying is kind of right because people do develop strategies to cope with it and then it no longer becomes a massive hindrance in their life. I wish you had like a camera there just to show Sammy did like a nice little fist pump in the air. Two two nil. (laughs) Oh, I didn't realise. I'd have made them super hard if I realised I was going to lose this. I assume assume they would get progressively harder. Doesn't the loser have to do laps? Run around the research house. Um, <laughs> so the third one is that dyslexia can be recognised and diagnosed as soon as the child can read. Um, well, I don't think that that could be possible. I mean, there's different circumstances, I suppose, around whether you have the right people in positions to notice dyslexic traits. For example, my partner's dyslexic and her uh, and she she wasn't picked up on that until... 
second year of an undergraduate degree. So I would assume that it's not based on just being able to read. I don't know about you. No, time, I agree but... with that. You know, you hear so many stories of people being like diagnosed like later on in life. I don't think you can get it straight away. I think there may be some telltale signs when they first start learning how to read. Maybe if they'd be more severe. But like... I don't think there's anything that would immediately give it away. Because I think I know I might be wrong, but like adding in words when you're reading and obviously not knowing how to pronounce word, maybe phonetically not getting it right. But like that could just be learning how to read. Some people might show those signs right at the start and not. But I, I don't know. It can't be three Final fictions answer. in a, it can't be three fictions in a row. Can you it? should know I me know. by now. <laughs> she could do this to us. It can't be three <clears throat> fictions in a I don't, row. I don't. I don't say fiction because I don't think. I do. So you're saying fiction. I'm saying fiction. We split on this. I'm saying fiction. You're everything, just everything. Doing this based on no, my... no, no. Everything points to everything I just said points towards yeah, fiction. So go with it. So I'm going with fiction. Okay. Yeah, you're both right again. We're good at this. Three, three. Um, it tends to be that you won't diagnose dyslexia very early on. It will be maybe the earliest, like five or six, just because you've got to have that time for reading skills to develop, and then for them to maybe fall behind or whatever. So, like I said, it's kind of. When it's phonetically they're struggling, right at the start, it's most of them probably will be. Well, yeah, there's lots of things, characteristics of dyslexia that is when you start out learning to read and write that you will make their mistakes anyway. So it is kind of that time um, to develop that you'll see difficulties come out. But yeah, as you said, lots of people don't even get diagnosed until much later on in life. So doing well. Doing well. Number four. Bring Number it. four. Dyslexia is a spectrum disorder. So, like, autism works on a spectrum of different things. How is I think dyslexia? we might. I think we might have our first fact. Yeah. I think we might have our first fact. I think most things are on a spectrum. Like you say, the autistic spectrum. That's something mm-hmm. I learned in my degree. And it's everyone's on the spectrum. It's whether you're right at one end, right at the other end, somewhere in the middle. You're on the spectrum no matter what. It doesn't mean you have autistic tendencies. You just are on the spectrum. So I would assume dyslexia is the same... Unless you've tried to trick her. There's a lot of fidgeting going on now. I don't know whether that's excitable. They might get one wrong. I think she just doesn't like me getting so many right. You're doing this far too much on my body language. I didn't think enough into this to actually do... I I no. think I think we've got our first fact. I, I think, think it's fact. I'm going to go along the lines of you can be on the spectrum. You could have no dyslexic tendencies. That means you're right at the lower end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say fact. Tom? I'm going to say fact. Like I said earlier, like you'd see some people do have it more severe than others. So surely it's, it's got to be. Okay. This is really interesting what you said, actually. I kind of want to give you it almost because this is my opinion as well. I want to change your mind. Whoa, no, whoa, whoa, you can't. Whoa, whoa, you whoa, just whoa, 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 whoa. So fact or fiction and you've given us an opinion? Technically fiction. It's not accepted and like it's not referred to as a spectrum disorder. You need to change your research. What? To a spectrum. Well, it was really interesting because when I went to a conference recently, a positive dyslexia conference up in Liverpool, um, one of the speakers was saying how it is kind of going towards that, like people are starting to see it more. So you're saying saying that we're pioneers? Yeah, possibly. We're ahead of our time. As far as I'm aware, it is not a commonly accepted thing that it's a spectrum disorder. There may be pieces of research out there that do say that it should be on a spectrum, but yeah, it's not generally accepted to be. But a lot of people do think, as you just said, you can have minor difficulties with it, you can have medium. So it is, some people would argue that you find people on a 
spectrum of it, but it's not currently. Well, like you said, happen. like you said at the start, dyslexia has such a range of issues that you could encounter when you have dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Things you could struggle with, yeah. severity of it. I don't see how you can't have a spectrum. It doesn't make sense to me. How can you just group everyone and go, you're dyslexic? Well, no, you're, I think that's you're mildly of... dyslexic or you're severely dyslexic. And I think that is kind of a way that it might start to move. But it kind of, with dyslexia, it's more so you have a specific learning difficulty, especially in America now at the moment, you have a specific learning difficulty in with a deficit in reading, a deficit in maths, a deficit in like fine and gross motor skills, which then falls into what we know as dyslexia, dyscalculia and dyspraxia. So we don't necessarily do it on a spectrum, we kind of just categorise it at the moment. I think the problem is that we don't have an agreed definition that everyone will use universally for dyslexia, so it's hard to... That's cheating, because I didn't know that either. Oh, is that one of my... Ne- no, it's not. I was thinking that. I was like, that should be one of my things. Um, yeah, it's not currently... Definitions share similarities, but there was one study that found 28 different definitions of dyslexia. Wow. They obviously have, like, a similar underlying theme, but essentially they're not the same. Um, yeah, so that one's kind of half point. No, I don't, no. I, don't, I don't want to take it. You said it's technically fiction, it's, so... All of the stuff is not very clear-cut, so it's kind of hard to... Four fictions in a row. You can't right. play a game of fact and fiction and have something that's not necessarily well, maybe everything's clear-cut. misunderstood. I'm going fiction for the next one. Okay. <laughs> right, so reversing letters is a good indicator of dyslexia. What do we know? Like, writing them backwards. So, like, with B and D. I do see it a lot with kids. Well, I like, see it a lot with my nieces and nephews no, when they're growing up. They'll put like a B the wrong the wrong way around, or like a P the wrong way around, or an E. E is quite a common one, I think. In primary school, I've seen that loads of things. But so is that just like we just said? Is that like a common mistake when you first start learning how to write, or is it actually a dyslexic tendency and a sign of of that? I would say it's just a part of learning. <clears throat> what do you say? It's a part of learning, but I I don't know. I'm leaning towards fiction because, like I just said, my nieces and nephews have done that before and none of them are dyslexic that we know of yet. I'm sure I've done that plenty of times. So? Fiction. We're going to say fiction. Okay, I've put it down as fact, but with, like, a clause to it. So this is another technicality. But this is the thing, dyslexia is so complicated that I can't really clear-cut a thing. Ah, uh, there's a clear underlying message here. Fact, <laughs> if it's past maybe, like... Set, oh, um, of course. I think if you had a, a I think, the I think if you like, had like a twenty-five-year-old making that mistake, you would probably yeah. assume that they're dyslexic. It's generally whereas... past like the age of eight and nine, like where you shouldn't really be seeing that kind of stuff anymore. Where it would become possibly an indicator, as you said, though some people you yeah. still confuse it. Like I'll do it on a tired day or something. Like it still happens. So fact could have got the point there. Could have got the point. Shouldn't have. Fact. That. Yes, it is a good indicator, but not, as you guys said, like not early well, on because it's just don't a, get a point mistake, then. so. You don't get a point. These are difficult, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so number six is that dyslexia is less common in other countries. Less common in other countries. I think, I think this is cheating. No, I think that is true. I think this is cheating, <laughs> but Hannah's mentioned <laughs> things to do with this before in the office oh, and saying that in countries like Japan and China, especially parents try to almost ignore the fact that their child might be dyslexic. The thought of them being dyslexic is, isn't really accepted over there. It's more of a, no, they just need to learn to do it right. Mm-hmm. And There's that kind of thing. Of what was, what was the statement it. again? 
What was the statement? Dyslexia is less common in other countries. I think that's fair. But what are we basing less common on? Sorry to be pedantic. Prevalence rates kind of thing. So... So like what the amount of people that, that they I think I think I think that's fact. There's gonna be so many countries that don't recognise exactly. Anything. I think that's fact. You see with things like autism, uh, I see Middle Eastern parents. They try to present with classic symptoms of autism, but they refuse it. Like point blank, just said no, he doesn't have that. Yeah. It doesn't exist. I think, I think we should, shame's I think we should use the same census yeah. again. Yes, fact. it is technically a fact. We as, got a fact right. As you've just highlighted, like for the reasons that certain countries won't identify it and stuff like that, but that necessarily doesn't mean that it isn't the same everywhere. It's just differences between countries in recognising it. So, like different countries will have different diagnostic tools and stuff that works better. There's also really interesting stuff about the orthography of a language. So, in English, we've got a deep orthography. So, uh, I might be saying that wrong. Orthography. 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 One of them. What do you say first? I don't know. Orthography. Orthography. I think yeah. it's orthography. Orthography sounds better. Like geography. <laughs> yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, we'll check that. Orthography. Either way, we have a deep one so that in our language, each sound doesn't necessarily correlate to a letter. So, like sh, like sh, is a different sound. Whereas in Spanish, French, um, they have just one letter to each sound. So it's more simple to learn a language. So that's kind of plays into whether it's more common or not. Some languages are easier to learn. So it might just be less identifiable. English is um, one of the more difficult languages to learn, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I as think a whole. that they were one of the most difficult. Like it Probably is, alongside. I think we've got about 44 to 46 like phonemes for each sounds. And we've only got 26 letters. So quite difficult to learn. Um, last one, coloured overlays are an effective strategy for everyone with dyslexia. That's fact. That's definitely fact. Might I, not be the answer and the be all end all, but that is a strategy. I don't know, because she wrote this down from a comment I made earlier. But my partner has got coloured overlays. She doesn't use it. doesn't mean everyone. But she's got them. No, 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 but it is a, it is a strategy. Yeah, but she Did you say effective everyone. strategy? Oh, it might not be effective. She had effective for everyone. Of... I think it's effective. I, I think... Well, all right, so Change it to what? Is there now a technicality again? Probably. Do you know the answer? Coloured overlays. <laughs> Coloured overlays. Are they a strategy for... Remediation. For, for, for kind of alleviating the, the causes. Not completely getting rid of, I wouldn't say. Okay. But this, just alleviating, kind of making it easy, easier to read. Because okay. I know from my education background that you can... A lot of the time, to differentiate, a teacher should have, say, pink handouts mm -hmm. with the writing on as normal. And pink is one of the most common colours that comes up with it. Yeah, off-white is also like, quite a common one. So I'm going to say fact. And if you have anything yeah. other to say, then I, I, I would have to look into it because I, I see it as fact. Okay, Tom? I'm going to go fiction. Because I know people use them. I've seen my own friends using, like, I think, yellow or green ones and stuff like that. What, you think they're using it just because they're told no other? No, I think... There must be some like research or something behind them to say they're useful, but I don't think they're as useful as we think they are. Because this is why you wrote the question down, because I mentioned it earlier. This is your opinion again, isn't it? A little bit. <clears throat> at the moment, kind of, at the moment they're accepted. But they're more for correcting a visual problem. Like they will not correct correct the language no, problem. Like I in said, the brain. it's easier to make it read. Yeah. Yeah. But then is that a strategy for dyslexia? Is that a remediation technique for dyslexia? Is that actually doing anything other than just or helping... Or is it better for visual what? impairment? 
well. Like some kind of visual issue rather than a There actual... are visual syndromes where people do use them for that specific purpose, but like a lot of the more recent literature is saying that they're not an effective strategy. You've so got a child learning to read and they're not understanding the phonics, for example. Putting a some pink on it, yeah, yeah. Is just... Still the same words and, yeah. Still so people are arguing that it's a visual aid and it helps with like letters moving but not a mental aid but it's not actually changing anything or helping the language areas in the brain develop or any different would it work when you're writing then like if you're writing on coloured paper i was thinking more overlays but the same thing aren't they the same thing writing on paper would be different than reading through an overlay that's why i thought it was fiction because surely if it was just the overlay that was the effective part. They'd be able to write if I'm, as well. You throw me off a little bit, but if I'm right, I think that the reading thing is more the reason for the coloured paper or the coloured overlay. The writing is kind of a different thing. It's a whole different Well, like problem. you said, there's different areas of dyslexia. In my, so. Yeah, in my brain, the way I see it is that if you put a coloured piece of paper down, initially when you go to write that's not going to make any difference for you because the paper's not doing anything different whereas like an overlay like focus more but if you're writing that's a whole different okay that's kind of how i'd see it i'm taking the point for that one i well you, you've got it right <laughs> technically yeah i mean I, we started really well and then kind of to be fair to you guys it's kind of there was a lot of technicalities in yeah, there yeah it is with dyslexia it is very i like the underlying message yeah, the moral of the story. The moral of the story is yeah. actually no one really agrees upon anything, and it is a lot of opinions. And I understand your frustration a lot more now we've done this. With my yeah, it's, like, it's a hard area. I wouldn't want to navigate the literature with that. Although, <clears throat> okay, so now we're going to move on to the controversy of the week. The next section, which was Hannah's task this week that we said in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. So. What did you bring? A bit of a follow-on from what we were just discussing, still within dyslexia. Um, There's a professor called Julian Elliott. He's a psychologist in Durham University. And he's kind of the key researcher who really, really challenges like the common accepted things about dyslexia. So he looks about um, at it in a real different way. So I've got a quote from him, which is quite interesting. Maybe quite controversial. So I'm going to read it out. See what you think. Um, Take yeah. it away. Valuable resources are put into expensive and time-consuming tests to diagnose children, which are not only highly questionable, but also do not point to forms of learning support that are different from what should be provided to any other poor reader. So my question is, should we be scrapping diagnosing dyslexia and focus on just identifying poor readers and having holistic support for all poor readers, regardless of whether they have what is now dyslexia or not i mean anybody that's a poor reader needs the support Mm -hmm. i don't know is is there any massive difference between support for a dyslexic who has poor reading and a traditional poor reader i mean wouldn't them colorful overlays run about just now be part of that yeah potentially what his argument was is he couldn't find anything different well not necessarily him but other researchers in this same area have said they can't find a difference between what they're doing with dyslexic children and what you're doing with poor readers so why are we focusing on diagnosing them and paying like expensive fees to get that 
label when realistically, if we looked at everyone holistically and supported them, um, could that be better? I suppose the issue is something kind of coming back to something you said earlier in terms of at the age of eight or nine, if they're still making this, have the same issues, that's a telltale sign of them being dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the further you get on into education and GCSEs and, and assessments and things like that, it's quite, it's quite a key thing, I think, in terms of if someone's dyslexic, they need the extra time or kind of mm-hmm. the, the, the leeway in their marking. I know that's thinking quite far ahead. No, but, but the fact that you need to kind of diagnose them is, like you say, you could do the same things, but the people who have poor reading are almost like you say with practice and they'll generally just yeah. come out of it that's i think my main problem with this is that there's lots of studies which administer phonics programs or whatever type of program it is to a group of dyslexic children or at risk of dyslexic children and a group of typically developing and more often than not the typically developing catch up quicker often these programs do benefit the dyslexic children as well and they also increase but it seems to be once these children who are just poor readers but typically developing once they have a bit of intervention they're caught up and that's it then they're up to speed there's no reoccurring difficulties as such that's kind of my main problem with this argument this statement this this thought process it's got to the debate on labeling as well though wouldn't it Mm. Like a lot of people are saying it's bad to label them as dyslexic if they just don't receive the same support. Yeah. But for some people, it might be an understanding <sighs> of why they poor at reading. I think the issue is, and what this guy, his name, what's his name? Julian. So what Julian Elliot mm-hmm. doesn't really <laughs> seem to acknowledge in that quote, he might do in other elements of the speech or whatever it was that it was included in, he doesn't acknowledge that a typical developer's brain and a dyslexic's brain, maybe not literally their brain, but the inner workings of how they process information, words, sounds, is different, is fundamentally different, and they have issues with it. I don't know whether he is acknowledging that. That, I don't think he is. I think he's avoiding the fact that if you took the brain of each one and put the same information through it, you'd have a different outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like a really good argument, but like I think from what he's saying is that regardless of that, what you're doing to support them should be the same. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah, if, if the support <coughs> is the same, I get it. But kind of going off what Tom just said, labelling theory, and mm. I think it's a positive label, especially for mm. some people who, I know there's probably research that suggests otherwise, <laughs> but if you have somebody who's looking at a piece of paper, because I, I, I'm kind of in the mindset of, if, if you're not dyslexic, you do not understand what it means to be dyslexic. Yeah. Because you cannot see or try and process what that person is doing Mm -hmm. and they're obviously having issues with it that they can't quite understand yeah and dyslexia although there's a range of definitions it has some kind of guidance and understanding on what the issue is and i think if you label someone as dyslexic they can go okay i'm dyslexic i'm not i'm not just stupid or positive light because lots of people who are diagnosed with dyslexic there's that stigma around it of that oh, there's something wrong with me, or, like, I'm not as good as everyone else, I'm not always, I'm always going to be a bit behind. So there's lots of children with dyslexia who have, like, self-esteem issues and all of that. That's a very positive spin on I'll it. I'll go back to my, yeah. own, my own example that I can base it off of, which is my <clears throat> partner. She didn't get diagnosed until she was about 20. When she got diagnosed, it was kind of a relief almost of, 
okay, this is why mm-hmm. maybe my spelling isn't quite up to scratch or yeah. grammatically I'm struggling or it takes me longer to read a journal article. And it gave her kind of answers to things so that positive... she had never had the support for. Yeah, yeah positive was... thing at her that time in her yeah, yeah, child may be diagnosed at like eight or nine, whatever. Yeah, that might be a complete different story of when you're that young and you don't have that understanding, and then just seeing yourself as different. Like within, um, I work within a placement school which is specialist to dyslexia, and a lot of the children there thoroughly enjoy going to the centre because they feel more involved. And their self-esteem goes up. That's one of the main things that they tackle is that self-esteem confidence as- yeah. aspect of it. Um, yeah, so it's quite interesting that that comes But then it. almost running through my mind then is kind of a... I don't know if there's any issue with doing this or whether it's ever been done before, but not telling the child that they're dyslexic. You could, you could run tests no, for yeah. everyone <clears throat> and the, the teaching staff and people who need to know can know. But the support, like you say, there's blanket support. Yeah. Or they can have access to that support and nobody needs to necessarily know. Because there's no issue of being dyslexic, but I get what you mean when you're at that age. It's, it's things like, it comes. It, you can kind of link it to like sets and groups. And quite quickly, like seven, eight-year-olds will pick up, they're the lower set, we're the upper set. Mm-hmm. We know more than they're that kind of... And there's lots of schools that still don't even accept dyslexia. So having a diagnosis yeah. of it just may automatically yeah. hinder them and not help. So, so schools in the UK don't accept it? Yeah. Feels like there needs to be some kind of glue right. that sticks the dyslexia world together. Mm. Maybe you're that glue. Oh. That's a, that's Maybe a you're that glue. Maybe I'd we like fix this glue. jigsaw. That's a lot of pressure now. I'd Maybe like you're the final to... piece to the, that bit, <laughs> bit of blue sky in the corner. I'd like to at least make every school in the UK accept that dyslexia is a thing and people need support. If I can do that, that is a that is a big win. Maybe slightly controversial tea from me. <laughs> Is dyslexia a thing? Is, well, this is... Is there any arguments out there that suggest it's not and are valid? Is basically my question. The evidence... I know I'm putting you on the spot. But. Yeah. The stuff that I've read is more saying that there is no... As there is no definition it, from a scientific and medical point of view. How are you diagnosing something that you don't understand? That's kind of a lot of the viewpoint yeah. is that... Yeah. It's quite an unpopular opinion to have, so it's not voiced as much as maybe people think it. But definitely a lot of people are saying, not that it doesn't exist, but maybe putting it more down to an advanced reading difficulty that we don't yet understand. But then there is lots of brain studies that have shown... I was about to say, is there, is there a lot yeah. of a lot of studies that look at the actual, like, kind of like, I don't know what you would call it, kind of like the cognitive yeah, the working systems. of the brain and... Again, comes back to the whole misunderstood. Lots of... Um, Studies pull it down to the white and grey matter in the brain, so having that a density of it allows for more neural connections. That's really simplified, but the more <laughs> white and grey matter you have, the better your brain functions more. So the neural connections run quicker and okay. synapses, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then there's other people who say, oh, no, it's down to a genetic thing. It's down to a certain area not working the same. So, again, it's that whole... Well, then that maybe plays into their argument of that, we don't understand it. Why are we diagnosing it? Why are we? How do we not know that these are all different reading conditions that are differently associated in the brain? Yeah. Some people have less white matter. Some people have different regions working differently. How do we not know that they're all different things? It is. I do see their point from that that view that we're diagnosing something we don't understand. But then, if you think of it at a lower level in schools, you've got to have some sort of 
system in place to be allowing them children who are falling behind with dyslexia. I can just imagine you reading like journal articles in the literature <laughs> and having about five, six different voices in your yeah. head saying, well, that kind of makes sense. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, oh, what about this? Or why do they discredit this? Oh, what about this? Maybe nobody's done this. It's easy to be critical. It, it, sound, it's, it sounds like it's easy to be critical, but yeah. it just sounds like there's a lot to wade through and yeah. a lot to kind of like... Because like one of the things that I need to do in my literature review is mm-hmm. define digital competence to a working definition for my own research. How are you going to define dyslexia in your research? Because I think for me, because I'm working within the UK and my study and my school and everything is based in the UK, I'll probably go more towards... Well, that would be the whole thing, would be recognising the UK definition and then recognising other definitions and probably just saying that there is no universally accepted definition. But you you need to come to one for yourself. I don't think... Well, I think maybe I could come to... Like kind of like a thematic analysis like in the sense of group them all together, the common keywords that come out. Was it, is it a word cloud when you put all the words in and the most I common so, ones yeah. come out? Yeah, It'd so. be interesting to do something like that and pick the maybe three keywords that pop up mm. and form maybe my own definition whilst recognising all the British Dyslexic Association, International Dyslexic Association, recognising all of them, but also maybe do something interesting with pulling them all together and picking out keywords. Could be a way to overcome it, but... Yeah. Sounds very interesting. <laughs> very uh very difficult to get through. So you enjoy that and we'll see you slowly melt down as the new year progresses. Yeah, as this goes on. <laughs> so move. I think we should maybe move on to yeah. our procrastination of the week. The exciting part. The first one of the podcast series. Who wants to go first? Who wants to I open think up the first? Be the boring. I don't know. Mine's pretty mundane, but you can. You you start. You start. So, what was your procrastination of the week? Uh, Well, today's my first day back in because I've been on holiday. So my procrastination is being on holiday. (laughs) I haven't done any work because I've been away, so I can't have procrastinated. You're so sad. I'm taking all of your work with you. I did do some on the aeroplane. So, so is that procrastination, or is that just a light break away from the? hectic ways of society and well, mundane day-to-day life <laughs> and today i've procrastinated with the podcast but we agreed last week that that's a good procrastination that's the that's the whole procrastination we need to find little procrastinations yeah. within it that's the meta of this i'm this gonna podcast. have to do better next week because so yours this week is going on holiday yeah that's a procrastination, that's my procrastination. okay <laughs> perfectly fine perfectly acceptable quite simple you know, yeah. you weren't here, you didn't work. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> Tom, what about your procrastination of the week? Well, I'm sure mine's pretty controversial, because I don't see it as procrastination, but apparently making this big poster, as you two put it, is itself procrastination. Again, <sighs> productive procrastination. It's productive, but... but it's kind of, is it the most... I suppose, like you said, your supervisor asked for it, you wanted, you needed to do it, so it's productive. It's not really procrastinating. But I always look at those kind of things with loads of colours and... It feels just, like you've tried to make it look pretty and that kind of whole thing. And I feel like... Effort or anything like that. It's just that's how I live. I coloured stick in my head for some reason. That's fair enough. Like I can see sections more clearly in That's colour. fair enough. You didn't say this earlier. You just you just showed us a poster and went, look at what I did. And I thought, oh, well, so proud of it. that doesn't look very useful. But, but that's fine. You can use that Stuff if you want like to. that feels super productive. Oh, it just... does, but that's what I mean. That's why <laughs> yeah. it's typically a procrastination. Because if I don't I'm know, so proud. if I don't know what I'm doing for the day, or I haven't got any clear goals set out for the end of the day, I will do something like that. 
Like, I've got all my posters over there. Half of them aren't even filled. Half of them just have one box on. Yeah, I mean, mine look a bit different to that. Exactly. Yours is a bit higher level than that, I agree. But that's the kind of procrastination I'm talking about. I put all that together. It doesn't even really work right now. So, and I've kind of gone away from it already. So, you know, that's... And you're uh, blocking our view of the outdoors. Well, that's not really my issue. That's... I haven't got any space to put anything, so I have to use the window. I mean, so, maybe the Christmas paper hat at the top isn't really needed, but you know. What about my new little uh, poster? Has anyone seen my little Homer? My Homer uh, picture. Yeah, what does that um, So, have you seen the Simpsons episode when Homer uh, is the nuclear power plant's going to explode? Yeah. And he has the computer in front of him, and it says, to continue, press the any key. So, it obviously means any key. And Homer's going, well, where's the any key? Because there's no key labelled any. Oh, and that's my kind of nod to digital competence and kind of like the issues people might have and the fact that people might see see any key and think, well, there's no key that's called any. Which one do I press? Okay. That makes I think sense. you're going to have to put a picture up of that on Twitter just so on the get the PHT Twitter, just so everyone knows what you want about I can now. put that up, yeah. I can, yeah, I can put that up. <laughs> bit of context. I can put that up just so people know what we're talking about. And the Christmas hat automatically. Okay. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so your procrastination of the week, just to be clear, is a poster. Making a poster. I don't know what the word is for. It's rather called a poster. A mind map. I say poster. A mind map. A colourful mind. A colourful mind map. Colourful spider. What was it called? A spider. A web. A, I don't even know. A brainstorm. No brainstorm. A brainstorm you can't use. use brainstorm, can you? Okay, so it's that anyway. That's your procrastination week. Okay, what's yours? So my procrastination week is actually a little bit more outside the box than going on holiday or making a poster. So uh, me and my partner have been having issues with phone charges uh, throughout the week. Here we go. So my procrastination procrastination of the week the other day for about two hours I was sat at my desk. I took a pin from my like stationary holder and I cleaned out each individual part of my speaker. The charging port and the lock, like the silent, non-silent part of my iPhone, and I cleaned all of them for about two hours. Oh collected all the two hours. fluff and dust and everything that came out. I showed my partner; it was loads, and that was my procrastination of the week because it was quite therapeutic. Okay, so I can but, add to this because you procrastinated today by cleaning out someone else's phone. Well, there was nothing really there, but but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Double procrastination. No, it's just something that every now and then you just find something that's really satisfying and you just want to, yeah. I can't believe the one who didn't want points or to make this competitive is about to win this week's procrastination. Am game. I? Oh, I think so. But it's always good because you can always see the bottom of your charging port just like Do clear. You too? What? Why are you looking at the bottom of your charging port now? <laughs> I'm seeing if mine needs cleaning. <laughs> because if you can see the bottom of your charging port, there's nothing in there. Whereas half the time... I do it like every three or four months and I normally get a big clump that comes out first and I'm like, ooh, Lush. okay, that's 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 really sorted things out. Because I never know whether my charges are broke or whether it's just my charging port. So basically, yeah, that's my procrastination of the week. I cleaned out my uh, iPhone charging port and speakers and silent slash lock non-silent button. Are we in agreement of who's this week's winner? It's not really an argument. Holidays, posters, uh, posters or cleaning out your phone or fluff. Yours is definitely the worst, the best. <laughs> why is it? It's the why best is it? The worst. Why is it the winner? Well, it's just something I've... that you don't need, is it? I could have gone out my life without. Yeah, yeah exactly. I could have done it. No, I could yeah, have. Whereas... I needed to do it, but not for two hours at my desk. Two hours as well. That's a long time, just to be cleaning out your phone. Yeah, is that an excessive time? Or I is think that... that's quite excessive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
You need to do a thorough job. That's almost on par with my poster. How long did your poster take? Just over two hours. <laughs> I'd yeah, say your poster's, you your poster's more productive than cleaning out my phone. <laughs> yeah, phone. I'm bigger. How long did your holiday take, Hannah? Five days. Five days. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you know, a week's worth of work that you haven't done. Right. You know, that's fine. Have to go on holiday. I'll take, I'll take the point. One nil to me. One nil. One nil nil to me. So, next week, whose turn is it to bring something to the table? Not next week, next episode. Next episode. Which so the tenth of January. Tenth we'll be January. uploading that one because we're Christmas gonna have a break, break, break over Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year's. Break. I suppose. Oh. Are they gonna be doing much work, or are they gonna be drinking much, or eating much, or obviously drinking and eating much, resting I've and recuperating and so on, <laughs> having a nice <laughs> mental health break kind of thing, well mindfulness and all that. I've got lots of work to catch up on, but I'm sure I'll fit in plenty of eating and drinking. Shouldn't have gone on holiday for five yeah, days just before okay. the Christmas period. <laughs> it's okay, because you come back in and done so much. It's hard to get back into it. I'm in Christmas mode now, so... Yeah. Stepping That's into Christmas. Um, <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so mine, my period is basically just going to be... I'll try and not do too much work, just have a nice rest from everything. Be going home for a couple of days to see family and so on. My partner's family are down for a day or two. Um... Yeah, so not too much going on. I I quite like to have just a quiet, festive period. I don't celebrate New Year's. Don't no. really believe in it. Don't it's just believe in it. No, no, it's just, no, not as in I don't believe in the don't concept of New Year. <laughs> it's a new calendar, calendar not year. Not going into twenty twenty. I just mean. I just. I just mean that I don't see why everybody makes it such a big thing out of it. Like the yeah. whole New Year, New Me, or the whole okay. going out and getting really drunk on New Year's. I Eve. do it every Monday, so. <laughs> every Monday is the start new, of a new, new Monday, new me. Yeah, so oh, I think meant going out getting drunk. Every <laughs> I did initially, <laughs> probably both. So yeah, I just don't really agree with the whole excuse of doing that. But then I don't know. I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. That is a statement. So yeah, that's my plans. Nothing exciting, but you know, Tom, good times with good people. Yeah, quite similar, really. I don't get up to a lot. I take introvert as well, to be honest. Yeah, you, mean, can you can have introvert. That. You can't have introverts, Sammy. I mean, you are not an introvert. By no, any but you know what I mean. No, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I'm, I'm, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. In terms of life. life. No, 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 no. You're like a shy life. extrovert. No, not a shy. No, a lazy extrovert. Because I don't want to commit to doing things. Right, that that's not a thing. No, I don't think you're just an extrovert. That's two separate things. Yeah, take the word extrovert back. All right. Introvert back. You know what? Introvert back. 10th of January, next episode, I will be bringing something to the episode. Okay. I will be bringing the controversy. tea. <laughs> okay. And don't blame Enjoying me this. if it's something linked to introverts, extroverts. Oh, okay. And something around that. My okay. math is on this, so I'm good to argue for that. Because... Oh... <laughs> Is is there nothing on lazy extroverts or people who are lazy extroverts? Extrovert but not social, something like that. There must be something. I can't know. This is a long Is it a spectrum? Oh. Going back spectrum. to spectrums. Maybe more like a continuum. I wouldn't say a spectrum. Okay. Well, say... I'm, I'm going to look into that and I'm going to, you know, we're learning about ourselves whilst doing this podcast. I'll learn what kind of extrovert I am because there's something, some kind of weird label to put on me. <laughs> So, yeah, so next episode on the 10th of January, I'll be bringing the controversy tea. We'll each be bringing our uh, procrastination of the week or, mm-hmm. well, festive period, I suppose. 
I'm sure we'll all have some, I'm sure we'll all have yeah. something, we've, some some kind of present, some kind of wacky family game or board game, something. Got to have a better bit of competition next time. Well, my, then, mine was fine. I thought we've got I weeks thought mine was for fine. two weeks to get this. It just goes to show we work too hard to procrastinate. That's all it is. Yeah, maybe this is just going to prove how hardworking we are. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Thank you for listening to the second episode of Get the PHT. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Even if you don't believe in it. (laughs) And here's the jingle.